Hey, good morning, Solace Church. How are you this morning? We're in a series called Patterns because we're talking about sometimes we get into patterns and behaviors that are unproductive and unhealthy for us. And so I'll be talking more about that. If you're watching online at solacechurch.com, thanks for being a part of our online community this morning. Hey, I am so glad you chose to come today, right? It's, it's week two of our series, and you had every reason to stay home because there's ice on the trees. And you didn't, and I'm so thankful that you didn't do that. I'm thankful that you chose to come today. So let's talk today about patterns. We've been studying uh, really one passage of Scripture that's really launched us into some different kinds of studies. And so in in Romans chapter 1, verse number 1 and 2, you can see, um, give me just a second, I'll be there. What Scripture teaches us, Paul teaches us, is that, 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 Because of what Christ has done for us, he urges us, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable uh, and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then he says to us, to the church, to believers, in verse number two, do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, right? In church, one of the things that we see in this passage of Scripture is that Paul recognizes that there are certain patterns and behaviors that we can find ourselves in that are counterproductive to us. They're the patterns of the world that aren't best for the life of the Christian. And Paul's not suggesting that all patterns are bad. As a matter of fact, some patterns are really good. Uh, uh, rhythms to life and patterns and habits and behaviors are good. We learned last week it was one of great epiphany moments to brush your teeth at the good thing, right? That's not bad. Um, to, and, and we're seeing on the videos each week the patterns of your life, and those are good, many of them. But there are some patterns that are destructive, some patterns that are unproductive. I would suggest to you that one of the patterns uh, of life that can become unproductive for us are patterns of habitual sin. Habitual sin. Now, when you become a Christian, a Christ follower, uh, there is this incredible reality that, that because of what Jesus did on the cross, that we are forgiven of our sins. And that's a good thing. But that is not the end of the whole journey of the Christian experience. Being forgiven is a status, a position before our Father. And that is a great thing to be declared righteous even when we're unrighteous. That's a good thing that we receive in Christ. But one of the things I think many Christians fail to recognize in their life as they begin to live out their Christian faith is that God, through Jesus, didn't just come to forgive us. He came to set us free from sin. He came to set us free from the patterns of sinful behavior that we find ourselves in. As a matter of fact, if you study scripture really from cover to cover, there is no allowance in the life of a follower of God for habitual sinning. In in the passage of scripture we we read last week in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, the author of Hebrews reminds us that if we deliberately keep on sinning, there's no sacrifice left for us. In other words... When you follow Christ, you leave the patterns of sin and embrace patterns of holiness. How many of you know, though, that's harder to do than than we like to admit? Here's what I want you to understand, though, about patterns of sin, habitual patterns of sin. Sometimes in our lives, we can become very comfortable with the habitual patterns of sin that we find ourselves in so that we don't necessarily fight against them, but rather we begin to embrace them as just a part of who we are. And the weird part of these patterns of sin that we find ourselves in, and we'll talk about some specifics in a moment, is that inevitably these patterns of sinful behavior handicap us 
from being able to live out the life God has for us. And so while we may be functional, we're only partially functional. And while we may be living a life of forgiveness and being in Christ, we are living kind of like this in relationships and ministry and in life. And so some of you, if you look at your life, you would say about you, and sometimes I say this about me, that sometimes we settle for certain patterns that God ultimately wouldn't be honored with us. And we learn to cope and adjust because we just come to terms with that's just kind of who we are. Well, Galatians gives us the ability. Paul, through the writing of the book of Galatians, gives us the ability really to be set free from this. And so if you have your Bibles and you're uncomfortable seeing me in this state this morning, I want you to look with me in Galatians chapter 6. Because this is how some of you look today. This is how some of us in the room look today when we live out our daily lives. And so I want to show you in Scripture... In Galatians chapter 6, verse number 1. Brothers, Paul says, if someone is caught in a sin. Now, the idea of caught in a sin here is not that there was a surprise moment when someone walked in on them sinning. Aha! It's not the passage. The passage here is that, brothers, if someone is entangled entrapped in sin, ensnared in sin. If someone has a pattern of behavior counter to what God would have for them, if they are living in the pattern of sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently, but watch yourself or you may also be tempted. See, here's the deal. If you come to terms in your own life with the fact that you have a sin habit that you've just kind of been coping with as opposed to resisting and fighting against, you got to embrace this this morning. Paul understands this, that it is almost impossible for someone to leave a habitual pattern of sin by themselves. Let's be honest. Sin is hard to get rid of in our lives. Let's be honest. It's hard to be set free from a pattern of sin we've become accustomed to. We need some help. I've asked my lovely assistant today, Jay, our executive pastor, to help me out. Because I don't want you to have to watch me preach the rest of this message like this. Because church, all of us from time to time need someone to come along and help cut out the patterns of sin that we find ourselves in. Jay, please. (laughs) Set me free. Don't cut my shirt though, brother. Ah, nicely done. One more. Oh, we should have some music next time when we do this. Don't cut my pants. See, those are my favorite pants. Jay, thank you. You can give him a spattered clap. I'm going to leave this right here. Oh, my gosh. So nice. To not be held back. It's so freeing to be able to walk. It's so freeing to be able to use my hands. It's so freeing to not look so awkward before you. Here's what Paul goes on to say. Carry each other's burdens. That is, we're in this together, right? 
If someone's in a pattern of sin, we're in this together. We ought to carry one another's burdens, right? And he goes on to say, in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ, the law to love your neighbor as yourself. That is, we're in this journey together, and we're going to help one another, right? We're going to irritate one another on towards love and good deeds, right? This is the picture of the New Testament, what we learned last week. And so we're carrying one another's burden. Now, now Paul gets more specific about the journey, the battle of being free from sin and understanding the dangers of allowing habitual sin to just reside in our lives. He says this, if anyone thinks he's something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. That is to say, when someone thinks too highly of themselves, they're just living in a pattern of self-deception, right? Because we're all sinners before Christ and we all are in need of forgiveness, right? Verse number four. Each one then should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. All right, let me tell you one of the dangers of living in the pattern of sin that you and I oftentimes find ourselves in. One of the things we do is is when we live in these patterns, sometimes we're not willing to come to terms with just how destructive those patterns can be. You live in a pattern of of unforgiveness. You live in a pattern of anger or resentment. You live in a pattern of lust. You live in a pattern uh, of being self-absorbed. You live in a pattern of pride or any of these types of patterns, right? They ultimately will affect your relationships, your influence. They will affect your ability to minister, your ability to lead in your organization or your company. They damage these areas, right? And coming to terms with this is the most critical part of this. Am I willing to settle for less because of this pattern of sin than ultimately what God has for me, right? So, and this is another problem Paul recognizes in the life of a Christian. How many of you know this? When when you look at your own pattern of sin... All of us from time to time can be tempted to believe that my pattern is not as bad as their pattern. That I can cope better with the pattern that I have in my life. I can cope with the, you know, looking at those things online. I can cope with that unresolved tension in that relationship. I can cope with that because, you know, I'm just a little well adjusted, a little better adjusted. But look how that's affecting them. Paul says, come to terms with where you are so that you might be set free from that pattern. Right? And so he goes on to say in verse number five. For each one should carry his own load. In other words, there is a responsibility in the life of every single Christian to come to terms with where they are in their relationship with God and have a desire to pursue holiness and to be free from the patterns of sin that hold us back. All right, now, in verse number 6, it seems like Paul just throws in a random verse. Anyone who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with his instructor. And I left that in there even though it doesn't apply to our message today. Just because it's good to remind you how important I am in your life. That's why it's in there. Because the pastor should be prayed for, uh, paid for good preaching. Basically, that's what Paul's saying. Totally irrelevant today, so let's go on. Verse number 7. All right, now. Now, now this is critical. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Now, he's getting ready to give you a principle of life that every single person in the room absolutely must hear. A man reaps what he sows. The spiritual principle of sowing and reaping applies to every single person in this room. Whether you want to embrace it or not, whether you like it or not, whether you are okay with it or not, the truth is what you sow, you will reap. When we live in patterns of sin, in the habit of sinning, whatever it looks like in your life, an addiction to some kind of substance or an addiction to some kind of thing online or something else in your life, 
When you live in those patterns, they are ultimately destructive. Now, you're going to see how this plays itself out in just a moment. Verse number 8, Paul says this. The one who sows to please the sinful nature, this is a law, from that nature will reap destruction. If you and I live in patterns of habitual sin, there will be part of us that dies because of it. Ultimately, if you live in a pattern resistant to God and his purposes for your life, there is no salvation available for that. When we live totally in rebellion against God, there is no salvation provided for us. Because the heart of a believer is a heart, and we'll see this in a moment, of a repentant heart. And you'll see that more played out in just a second. From that nature, he will reap destruction. Now, the opposite is also true. The one who sows to please the Spirit, however, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Do you see the difference? When you focus on the things of the Spirit, I'll explain that in just a moment. When you focus on those things, you reap a different harvest in your life. Now, church, everyone in the room is going to have to come to terms with this individually in our own lives. This law is true in your life and in my life. You neglect the things of the Spirit. I neglect the things of the Spirit. We miss out on the fullness of what God has for us. You allow yourself, I allow myself to live in a pattern of sin. It will ultimately carry out its destruction in your life and in my life. Now, in verse number 9, Paul goes on to say this. And this verse is used a whole bunch for encouragement, and it should be. But there's a principle here that maybe you miss if you just see the positive side of this verse. Paul says, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now stop for a moment. This verse is used for those of us who get weary in life. And it's a great verse for that. But there's an underlying principle that oftentimes you miss in this verse of Scripture that really speaks to this whole idea of coming to terms with habitual sin in our own life. What's Paul recognize? Paul recognizes that in the, in the law of sowing and reaping, there is a time for sowing, that is for planting. And then sometime later, there is a time for reaping. And they're not generally closely attached to one another. There is the giving of myself to something, and then ultimately at some time in the future, there's the receiving of what I have sowed into earlier in my life, right? So here's what you need to know. On the good side, when you sow to the Spirit, you will eventually reap the life that comes from the Spirit. And I'm going to unpack that more in depth in just a moment. But every single person in the room needs to embrace this as well. When you sow to the sinful nature, when I sow to the sinful nature, you may not reap immediate destruction from that. But there is a time of destruction coming because of that sin. You may not immediately suffer from being disconnected to your spouse in marriage because of a sinful pattern. But it will eventually run its course in your life. You may not eventually get caught cheating in your company or in your business and cutting quarters. But it will eventually cost you in the long run. You may not, you may not get, get eventually caught at school for cheating on your homework. But eventually you will lose that information and miss out in the real world of what you were supposed to learn in school, right? There is an ultimate end to the path of sin. Let us not deceive ourselves. God is not going to be mocked in this area. What you reap, my friend, you will sow. So, how many of us in the room would just be honest, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you wouldn't anyway. How many of us in the room have a pattern of sin that we've allowed to settle into our lives? How many of us in the room, if we were just being gut-level honest, you would say, you know what? There's a, there's a part of me right now that's really not surrendered to God. What does it look like for you? Paul says, because this principle is true, because 
there is an ultimate reward for living in the spirit and an ultimate destruction for living in the sinful nature. He says this in verse number, number 10. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. That's a great point. If this law is true, we might as well get busy doing things that are holy and right and good because it ultimately benefits us and those that receive the goodness that we do. Okay, so this is the point Paul makes now. Here's the principle set forth for us in Galatians chapter 6. What we sow, we reap. If we sow to the sinful nature, we're going to reap destruction. If we sow to the spirit, we're going to reap life. All right, now, let's talk practically how that looks in your life. This is a really interesting study. One of the things I've learned, and I'm 38, almost 39, which means I'm almost 40. One of the things I've learned in my life uh, to this point is that I have dismissed oftentimes in my life the power of strongholds or habitual sins that are set up in my own heart or in my own life. I have, I have oftentimes really dismissed the serious nature of the effect of those patterns of sins. And I've, oft, I've also dismissed how difficult it is to actually be set free from certain patterns that I find myself in. You guys know this. I've said this many times before at our church, but I think everyone has a signature sin. That is, everyone has a certain sin that really defines them more than any other sins in their life. And it might be seasonal for them, and it might, be, it might, might differ from, from, from season to season. But everyone has, in any given season, a certain sin that they wrestle with more than others. And sometimes we can become comfortable with that sin. And I've oftentimes dismissed how difficult it is to truly be set free. Paul teaches us, elsewhere in scripture, that, that there is divine power to demolish strongholds in our life. That is to say, that there is, a, there is the power, the same power that raised, raised Christ from the dead, that is at work within us, that frees us from the stronghold. But that also got me to thinking, how powerful strongholds must be if it takes resurrection power to free us from it. Church, I want us to come to terms today That God is not pleased in any way with any patterns of sin in our life. He doesn't just look at us and say, well, you're pretty good. I mean, look how far you've come. I guess I'm okay with you settling into that pattern in your own life. God's purpose in our life is holiness, sanctification, setting us free from the patterns of death so that we may look more like Jesus, so that we may live the life God has called us to live. And so I want to encourage you today. Can Can we just at this point not be okay with our own sin? Would you just... Would you just join me in saying I'm not okay with my sin? I'm not okay with any part of my life not conformed and transformed to the image of Christ. Can you and I be okay with that today? Because when you start resisting those parts, you begin to be set free. All right, so now. (laughs) It's an interesting battle, isn't it? Your sin and mine. I think as I study scripture, I look at scripture, and one of the things that's very interesting to me is I begin to think about being set free from the pattern of habitual sin in my life. One of the things that I see stick out so clearly in scripture is some words that Paul uses, and we've already read them today. We read them last week, but I want to go back there with you just for a moment. In Romans chapter 12, verse number 1, Paul says this. Now, this is... To me, it's the key to begin to live a different pattern, a life lived by sowing into the Spirit so that we can reap things from the Spirit. Paul says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Now, remember last week, I said to you that this idea is cruciformity. I don't know the last time you studied cruciformity. My guess is it's been a while. 
Cruciformity, what is that? Cruciformity is the idea of conforming my life to the crucified Christ. Conforming my life to the crucified Christ. I like the miracle working Jesus. That's fun. You know what I'm saying? I mean, God, if I can be like Jesus and you can do miracles through me, I'm in. That's really cool. I like the teaching version of Jesus. God, if I can teach like Jesus, man, that is a great thing. If I can memorize scripture and teach scripture like Jesus taught, like he brought forth with authority, yeah, I'm in for that. (laughs) That whole thing on the cross, (laughs) that's a different story, isn't it? Do you remember the story of the crucifixion? Uh, In case you forgot it, let me just quickly tell you. It's a great story. Jesus, before he goes to the cross, goes to the garden. Do you remember that? In the garden, he begins to pray, I would love for this to turn out differently. I would love to not have to go to that cross and suffer the agony and pain and, 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 and uh, abuse and rejection that the cross is all about. I would love for this to be different. Could you make that happen? He is so intense in this prayer. He's sweating. It's like drops of blood. It's an incredible picture of agony and suffering. Do you know what happened in the garden before the cross? He had to surrender his will to the will of the Father. The agony of the suffering of the garden was required so that he could go to the cross and die. He could not go to the cross until his will first died and submitted to the will of the Father. Right? Cruciformity is the idea of being willing to submit my will to the Father and go through the agonizing process of being set free from the sin so that I might look like Jesus and live like Jesus. Right? And my friend, it's difficult to go to the garden. It's difficult to go before the Father and say, this needs to die in my life. You think about the cross for a moment. You think about the significance of Jesus on the cross. What was it? It was agonizing, slow, painful death. And my friend, that is exactly what happens in the life of someone who is trying to be set free from the pattern of sin. It is slow, agonizing, and painful, but ultimately freeing. That's why Paul could say things like this. I am crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And Paul would say things like this. I don't care if I know another thing in my life except Christ crucified. That is a powerful thought. When is the last time you got before your own father, got before your creator on your knees and said, I'm tired of this pattern, and I'm willing to go and die today so that you can begin to set me free from this pattern? When's the last time you got on your knees before your father and said, it's time for me to die, it's time for me to give up this pattern in my life so that Christ may live more in me? Right? This is the picture of cruciformity. Right? And let me just tell you something. You cannot sow to the Spirit Until that happens first in your life. You know what that's called? That process right there is called repentance. A turning from something to something else. And the truth of the matter is, if we were being honest, like a good old-fashioned free will Baptist pastor that I was, we need to hear a message today about repentance. Turning from a pattern to a different pattern. There are some of us in the room that need to repent of a pattern of sin that we've embraced. Is that you? 
offering myself as a living sacrifice before the Father. Now, if that's you, I want to speak for just a moment because my guess is, is that maybe that's most of us in the room today. There's a part of our life not conformed, a part of our life that's a habitual pattern of rebellion against God. I don't know what it looks like for you. You can name your own signature sin. But if that's you, just for a couple of more minutes, I'm going to give you some thoughts. Paul says that when we live or sow into a pattern of the sinful nature, we reap destruction. I don't have to explain to you anymore. You know full well that your sin affects your life. You know that. I know that. If you need to be convinced of that, we can have another conversation. It just affects our life. It leads to destruction. What does it mean to sow in the Spirit? What does that mean? Just for a couple of minutes, let me give you some practical things to do because we're starting out the new year, right? This is 2017. Woohoo! New year, new plans, new dreams, new goals, new resolutions, right? We're all new right now. Well, if, if that's the case, then let's just embrace this in our own lives for a moment, right? What does it mean to sow in the Spirit? Let me give you a couple of things. And you're going to feel like you went to Sunday school after this. Sowing in the Spirit literally means investing in spiritual things. What does that look like in your life? I think it begins with prayer. All right. Um, do you have a consistent prayer life? Is there a time in your daily life where you pause for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes and just spend time in prayer with God? Is that your life? Does that look like the pattern that you have? If that pattern is not a part of your existence, I want to encourage you today. If you're going to be set free from the patterns of the sinful nature, it really begins with a repentant heart, a crucified life just like Christ was. And then it, begin, and it, and it continues into this pattern of I'm going to get on my knees before God. I'm going to get in my quiet pace, place to have conversation with God. Do you have a pattern of prayer? prayer in your life. If you don't, you're not sowing into the spiritual realm so that you might reap the benefits of the life that comes from the Spirit. I want to encourage you today, as you start this new year, man, I want to encourage you, find time to pray. Find time to get on your knees before God and, and pray. Now, let me encourage you in that prayer time not to let it become the list of requests that you have from God. Because all of us know how to ask God for something. The better request is, what is it in me that you want to accomplish? Where is it that I need to die to myself so that I might live towards you? It's not God help me through the day. It's God, how can I be more conformed to the image of Christ today, right? What is it in me you would like to say to me? How is it that I can become more like Christ, right? Not just God give me, but God, how can I be available for you, right? This prayer that says, I'm offering myself you prayer secondly reading your bible oh this is deep isn't it i mean you're like wow here's what i know about the church the church is struggling to find time in their daily lives to read scripture you struggle finding time to get into god's word you do i don't even have to ask you to raise your hand it's a it's a huge problem in the church today to find time to open God's word and read it. Read it. I was reading one article, it was a fascinating article about Jewish culture many, many years ago. And one of the things that was fascinating about this to me is that they had a system in the Jewish culture of how they were to raise their kids up. And there were basically three different levels of progression for Jewish children. This is many, many years ago. I have no idea if they still do it today, but many years ago. Um, uh, this is kind of the way it worked. 
um, as I understood this article, as it was explaining Jewish culture and, and how they got the word into the, uh, these children's lives, that, that by the age of six, I, this is crazy, by the age of six, that, that these children were expected to learn the first five books of the, of the, of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, to, to memorize them. And by the age of 12, there was an expectation that they might be able even to memorize almost all of what we call the Old Testament. All right, all right. If that's true, <clears throat> we're behind. <clears throat> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Wait, 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 wait. My son, Grady, <clears throat> he is an expert Minecraft player. Expert. He knows verbiages on Minecraft, Xbox 360. I don't even know what they mean. He's eight. We've memorized about six or eight verses of scripture. (sighs) An old adage that they had was, was stuff them like an ox with scripture. Fill them with scripture, right? It really, really brings to light this idea that, that they were called to, to talk about scripture when they went on the way and they were to hang it on the doorpost and over their, over their um, uh, mantles in different places, right? It really brings to light what was going on in their culture. They, they embraced the fact that scripture meant something significant in their life, right? And, and it really makes sense to me now to think about what David said. Thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not, what? sin against you. Isn't that a powerful thought? Maybe the problem that we're facing in this habitual sin is that we don't have enough of God's word flowing into our lives so that we don't have the ability to overcome it, right? It's the power of scripture that allows us to be liberated. Jesus said you will know the truth and then the truth sets you free. Praying, reading. Let me give you just one more this morning. That's all we have time for. I have more, but I just have time for one more. You're going to love this one. Fasting. You know what fasting is? It's not eating or not playing Xbox or, or, or PlayStation or whatever it might look like for you. It's giving up something for a period of time to dedicate and focus on the person and work of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. <laughs> Solace Church, we went through a period of fasting a couple of years ago. We went through a Daniel fast that was 21 days. I have promised myself I will never do that again. That was awful. Okay, so I'm not going to ask you today to take a step towards a Daniel fast and 21 days of fast. I'm just going to ask you to consider when's the last time you stopped for 24 hours or for a day, sun up to sundown, and just said, this pattern I'm not okay with, and I'm going to give up this so that God might begin to do a work in me to starve that sinful nature and begin to allow the Spirit to feed me and nourish me and set, free, set me free. If you're going to win, if we're going to win over the patterns of sin, it's going to be because we feed or we are nourished through the spirit that brings life. You cannot neglect your spiritual life and expect to reap the benefits that come from the spirit. All right, so let me ask you this question. As we begin this new year, this was the irritate you message that you know had to come Because that's what we do with one another. We irritate one another towards love and good deeds. What is it 
in your life this year that you need to set on the altar of sacrifice and surrender and say, I'm not okay with this pattern in my life anymore. What is it for you? And will you allow God to set you free? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Hey, this is Pastor Matt Blair. Thank you so much for taking time to check out our podcast today at solacechurch.com. You know, we realize that it's possible, as you listen to this message today, that God may have spoken to your heart about something. So if you made any kind of spiritual decision, we would love to know about that. You can email us at info at solacechurch.com and let us know what happened in your life today. Once again, thank you so much for taking time to check out this podcast.